hello out there. This is Sam Kilmer, Managing Director for Cornerstone Advisors, joining you for another In the Hall, unscripted episode of FinTech Hustle. And I say we're in the hall, not quite. We're fire pitting here. This is actual real fire. So if my sport coat sets a fire mid-episode, you'll know that I didn't do it right. Um, but I'm I'm uh, here uh, at the... Cham Fintop second annual summit joined here by a rock star crew to talk a little bit about the industry, what's going on. And uh, jo- um, I'm joined by Sarah Howe, who's the senior vice president, partnership programs at Infinite. Uh, Dan O'Malley here, CEO and co founder of Numerated, and the co host with the most slash pocket squares are us partner, Cornerstone Al Dominic. So, Hey, we're glad to be here with you, and and uh, I thought maybe I would just start off by having everybody tell us a little bit about the day in their life of fintech. And Sarah, I'll put you on the spot first and tell us tell us a little bit like what it's like to be Sarah Howell at Infinite for a day. You know, uh, it's it's pretty busy. Um, I'm I am head of partnerships there, but I get to wear so many different hats. Uh, sometimes I'm doing products, sometimes I'm doing sales, solutions, engineering. Um, and I think that's why I love the startup life, you know, call me crazy, but that's, that's a day in the life of Sarah Howell. Okay. So we're calling her crazy for the rest of the time. I'm taking this before I uh, get over to my man right here, but, uh, you know, Sam and I have had a chance to host the hustle before we were in Seattle. No, we were in Vancouver when we did this the first time and it went so spectacularly well that Sam took a year before inviting me back on. So uh, I did bring the pocket square, not the hat. Obviously, that's Sam's you know thing to do. But one of the cool things I think we can all agree on is the business of banking really continues to be pretty spectacular. As challenging as the next few months, few quarters, even few years might look, there's so many smart, creative folks that are trying to solve hard problems to help move the industry forward. And I know that I come into this hoping that the different tech companies that have different you know, teams and tools and approaches will help keep the industry vibrant so that we're not finding ourselves looking at maybe 10 big banks in the future. Like nobody wants three airlines or options. I don't think we need like 10 JP Morgan sized institutions. And it's the work of companies like this that are going to keep us, you know, with a healthy, vibrant community bank system. What's a day in the life of Dan look like? A day in the life. It's uh, it is pretty varied. I like that description. Yeah, I think um, you know I spend most of my time either uh, talking with customers, uh, working on partnerships. Partnerships is a big area of development for us. We've uh, built a lot of great product, and we can both sell that directly, or we can distribute through partners increasingly. So I'm spending close to half my time working on that, and uh, then just leading the team. I get the privilege of leading the uh, 80 people who are at uh, Adnumerated and helping them understand how to do the best work of their careers, and that is incredibly satisfying as well. Special guest coming through, Sam. I know. I see. Could it be? Is it? Could it be? Uh, this is what happens when you're in the hall. There is no unscripting. We have a former guest that's right here. We have C. Avanzia from Connect One and and uh, Bowfly and let's see what else Venture On. Venture On coming so, at you soon. Oh, okay. Very good. Not Shameless late. plug. Oh, we don't allow those, but okay, we'll let it this once slide. I only crashed because Al told me to. Okay, <laughs> thank you for and crashing. Lo- no, I love it. I love it. Thanks, C. Appreciate that. Well, that's great. And and actually, Dan, I I loved your I love one of your points that you made earlier in the in the session around how. Um, uh, banks, uh, if, if 
I'm I'm paraphrasing and and pardon the uh, the uh, the Indiana kid here paraphrasing because it probably won't come out as uh, fluently, but something along the lines of banks decide by consensus and consensus doesn't quite cut it most of the time or something like that. Is it? Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So um, when it comes to trying new things, like you're going to take risk, right? It's just the nature of trying something that you haven't done it before. It's therefore risky. And banks typically manage risk by committee. Their entire committee is multiple ones and banks devoted to managing risk. Um, and if you are trying to decide whether you should do something new or not with a committee, you're just not going to do it, right? Someone's going to find a way to say no. And so um, my opinion and my approach when I've been in financial institutions trying to do new things is you just need to empower a person or maybe like a couple people who have the authority to decide to take risk. And it's not unlimited risk. They can't do whatever they want. And it should be somebody who knows how to box it in and manage the risk. But like, you got to make a single person accountable for like making the decision. Because uh, groups of, of people don't like to, you know, all accept risk. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I should have pointed out when I introduced both of you that um, you were at Capital One, you were at Eastern Bank. So you're kind of one of those interesting personalities in that you were the banker and you were the fintecher, and of course, we're GM Fintop, so we're all um, in the investor world too. And Sarah, I know prior to Infinite, you, you know, Visa and Tesis, and I mean, so the backgrounds here are varied in terms of not, yeah. Uh, okay, so as, as you're bringing up Dan's point, and you guys are talking about all the different experiences, I heard the same thing, and it jogged my memory. I was down in Austin maybe three or four years ago with USAA, and so I was invited into their design lab. And I took a few photos, so I, I actually found them. So they have on their walls signs that say, stop talking and make something. Focus on problems worth solving. Do it again. Empathy and understanding are not the same thing. Make fun of everything. Ask why. Ideas are free. Try it as a natural dialogue. Have an opinion. Close your laptop and show me. And so I just, you know, again, I'm just pulling this out because I think Dan's mindset and his message to everyone is empowering your team and trusting them to make smart, educated decisions. They'll never be perfect, you know, but it's much better to act with some purpose. And I think that's one of the big themes that I picked up today was you've got to be faster in the way you do things. You cannot just sit and wait for things to be, you know, commercially available. Like get after it, try some stuff like the AI session that came up this morning. I don't know if you thought that was pretty cool, but Maybe you could talk about that real fast. Well, I don't know about the AI part. Uh, I, I have really enjoyed just just speaking to some amazing people here. I did ask the guy that was so um, well eloquent about the AI, about what he thought Biden's executive order would mean for AI and the watermark capabilities of the government, but not allowing other um, companies or institutions or not mandating that they use a watermark. Because how at what, at what point do you know what's been human created versus... AI created. So I think that opens up a whole other can of worms. But I would like to piggyback off on, you know, really uh, what you were saying, Dan, and that's what I told you earlier. I really appreciated what you had to say. Um, just about having that main person in the organization with the decision-making power. What I do think that that requires is an enormous amount of personal courage. I think what's been hard as an innovator that lived in these big organizations is that you were always forcing the organization or seeing things ahead of um, 
of where other people saw them. And then you had to have the personal courage, regardless of where you were in the organization, to say, this is what we should do because that's where the market's headed. And sometimes I've done that and it's kind of at great personal risk. Um, and so I, I would love to get y'all's thoughts on like, what do you think as far as being a change agent in an organization, uh, what that means to you personally and what you have to do for, on a personal perspective to, to have the courage to make that decision? Yeah. Man, I have many stories here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like if you're doing change right and, you're, and you want to do it fast, because if you want, if change can take like 10 years, then okay, great. It's not that hard, actually. But if you need to do it fast, like people are not going to like you. They're just not going to like you. You're going to cause them problems. They're going to think you're wrong. They're going to think you're stupid. Let me see. I got called. Uh, oh, geez, all the names I got called. Uh, <laughs> You could go not safe for work on this one. Too. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I will. Um, yeah. I, I was I was told by the chief credit officer of the bank that um, the test that I wanted to run was amoral. It was uh, it was wrong. Uh, I was told by a board member of the bank that I was a heretic, which I thought was kind of cool. Actually, oh, yeah, I was like, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. They're going to take you out to Plymouth Rock and be like, I'm going to show right. you what we do with folks like you. That's right. Yeah. Da Vinci and Dan. Yeah, like yeah. And the most the, the most tense situation. Uh, so it was a meeting. It was basically the six most senior people at the bank, and we were talking about the first credit test we were going to run. And like we were going to do loans that we thought might probably go bad. And so uh, the chief uh, lender of the bank, who's a great guy, and I'll tell a story at the end that will make this all okay. Uh, I promise. Um <laughs> He was like getting visibly irritated in the meeting. He wasn't speaking. His face was turning red. And finally he exploded and he like smashed his fist on the table. And again, it's the six most senior people in the bank sitting around talking. And he said, this is the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard. And he's staring at me while he's saying it. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here and take it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not even going to say a thing. I'm just going to sit here and, and just kind of smile. And so we sat like that for 30 full seconds of silence. And finally the CEO of the bank said, well, I, th I think we're done. And he stood up and he walked out of the room. We all left. And like that was a real senior meeting at the bank because we were trying to drive change and he hated me. Um, but we did the test. It was very successful. We didn't lose any money on the test. Actually, we made money on the loans we made. And that same guy referred the sixth customer of numerated to us. And, and I bought him a nice bottle of wine and he's a, he's a wonderful human. So one thing I, one thing that you bring up, a good extreme example of it too, is that, that uh, when I've been doing strategic planning with clients over the years, including in banks, not just in tech firms, is, you know, if you're not having any conflict, if you're not having any, you know, we can have an argument about whether or not, you know, there should be F-bombs dropped in the boardroom. But I think the main thing is, is if there's not good, hearty, beyond debate, like people that are passionate about it. I just, I think you're doing it wrong. And, and I, I, I like the fact that you're, that, that it did come full circle, but even if it didn't come full circle, I, I tend to think that the pressure creates that, that, that back and forth still creates a good outcome. And, um, so it's kind of one of the, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you let it breathe for 30 seconds. I, I'd love to believe that I would have been able to do that. I think that's an incredibly strong thing to do, but, um, I don't know, I so anyway, uh, that's great, and I I heard some really promising things today. But I would also just love you 
whether it's inside the, the walls of Jam Fintop, the summit here or not, I would also just love your perspectives on what you see in the industry right now, what you think might be working well or not well. And I guess we can start on the positive side. What do you guys see that you think is working really well right now in fintech? Any Anything jump out at you is just something that you see just uh, working really well, whether it's on the business or the technical side. Anybody want to take a shot at that? I don't know if I'd say it's, it's in fintech. I think um, what I'm really encouraged by is some of the collaboration that I'm seeing among the banks, especially relative to um, driving an affecting change and coming together to lobby for change that's going to help the community banks and drive them forward and even sharing information. And um, I'm seeing this, um, you know, with, with AFC and um, with Alloy Labs and some of these guys that are taking problems that bank community banks have, and they're actually sharing those the, those problems and trying to solve those problems together. And I think the greater the collaboration that we can see in the community banking space, the more, um, the more, the greater the chance for us to have a, a strong community banking sector moving forward and not the 12 banks that you talked about earlier. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Sam, when you think about just the nature of fintech and how the, in some ways the bloom is off the rose for a lot of the conversations so if you go back to 2015, 2016, people are you know still trying to wrestle with is this friendly, is this a foe? I think there's a little bit of fatigue that's set in. You know, people have heard the stories. You know, even here, there's some great companies, but they like numerated had to acknowledge, hey, we've been in this portfolio. You've heard what we've done, but there's some really interesting stuff that we've been able to iterate off of and and continue to press and to grow. So it's not living on past success. You know, I love that nobody talked about the triple P, you know, rollouts because. That was three years ago. I mean, and yeah, that's massively successful, but we are not finding a lot of companies t- living in the past. They're trying to look ahead and help people to pre-position themselves for things. So it's not to be a, you know, a fortune teller. You know, and I, I think there's a lot more pragmatism that I can see for tech executives that understand we're going to go a lot further together than we can as individuals. And so, you know, when I just take a step back, it's not about the technology because that is a tool that helps drive an outcome it's the business approach that so many executives are now taking around a fire pit like this where it's hey we've got to do something a lot you know more creative we've got to differentiate we've got to distinguish ourselves fintechs are known as great marketers but there's some you know really smart banks see you know just popping in connect one's done some great stuff i mean it takes a village and that's where events like this are so important because people can be reminded that there's opportunity. Even in bad times, there's opportunity and you just keep pressing and you just keep looking at how you do it together. You know, I'll, I'll go kind of ultra specific on one thing that I heard today, which was really positive, I thought. Um, you see a lot of bad headlines about bass in the news. You hear about like imminent consent orders about to happen. And so you think, oh man, is bass dead? It ain't dead. Holy cow. I heard some numbers today about billions of dollars of funding coming into banks. And I'm like, whoa, that is, that's with a B. That's a lot. And so I think the ability for nimble, smart, well-managed, compliance-savvy banks to pull in a lot of deposits, which is incredibly important, it, it's happening. Well, I mean, you think about a, a BAS provider. And so without going into names, you know, there's, you know, what, 80 or so that are doing things, maybe 20, 25 would be considered like really professional in their stance. Think about how much money folks cite JP Morgan spending. 
Well, those bass banks, essentially with all the different tech companies, are able to match their marketing muscle. So if you're you know, like a coastal who is the bank behind uh, one main, which is the Walmart you know, stuff, that cloud, that marketing cloud translates back to the to the bank. You know, so there, to your point, I think there's some really positive you know, things. I love the consortiums that are being developed and how people are saying, hey, we got to tell our side of the story. We can't let the narrative be taken from us. And that's a change from previous years. I mean, there's been groups that have been trying this, but I think it's a better coordinated effort that will reflect well on the entire industry because you're right. Some of the, you know, the best folks that are being written off, like do take that victory lap at your own, at your own risk. I might just piggyback since you did mention Baz. And and that's really kind of where we we focus at Infinite is um, just in this space, there's so many different business models of Baz. Uh, There's the indirect and the direct where the system of record does not belong to the bank. It's outside of the bank's ecosystem. And then we see we're seeing a new move towards, okay, a Baz model where you have the direct relationship with the the tech provider or the embedded finance provider. And then you are system of record. Um, When, I'm talking to banks about their bad strategy, have all three of them and pivot and use a good tech stack that allows you to do it in a safe and sound manner. Um, And, you know, there's some banks out there, some of the guys that have been in it for a very long time. One of them I met with last week at Money 2020, 160 million accounts on file through their BAS platform, their BAS. I mean, you can't, it's staggering. It's staggering. And so there is a lot of opportunity, but this is a time for community banks to come together and protect the space because BAS is moving up market. And we want to be able to make sure that the community banks have what they need to power their BAS strategies, regardless of which business model they choose so that they can compete for the business if it does move up market. Sam, you usually are the one asking questions. Can we turn around on you and say, like, what had you falling out of your chair today? Okay, so I, and I'm going to get, I can't remember her name, but she was so smart from Fispan. Yeah, Lisa. I, I just loved how detailed her, how gritty and into it she was on how ERP systems connect through to cash management. And it's kind of like Dan in our earlier conversations a couple years ago about, you know, the connection between a loan origination system and spreading. Uh, to some to some that might seem like a very arcane thing. It turns out that's a really important. There's a lot of breakdown in that, right? There's a lot of, if there's any break, if there's any connection at all, there's a lot of breakdown between things like ERP systems and treasury systems. Um, I think treasury in general is an area that just does not get nearly as much coverage as maybe it should in terms of the ultimate power play of the banking industry in terms of so much commercial banking going on, so many people needing strong, loyal deposits to go with those loans. Treasury's right in the middle of that equation and solving for very specific use cases. Whenever I see things, whenever I hear the examples and storytelling, like you said it was Lisa, from Feisman, Lisa Shields, fantastic. I was just blown away by that. But I, you know, there were, there were several things I heard today. Uh, Riaz's uh, observation, lots of different observations. There was a gentleman from a compliance software company that was giving very specific examples around um, the um, um, pass rates and things of that nature that I thought, well, Sarah's some of our conversations before, you know, compliance isn't always the sexiest topic. So if you can be very specific and I, I will say, I'll, I'll, I'm going to come back and ask a negative question now. What could be working better in the industry? And I'll give you one straight from the stage today. I thought that easily 
two-thirds of the company pitches were needlessly boring. I, I, You're stealing my thunder. Well, this is what we do. This is the, this is what we Yeah, that's right. We're, we're cooperating here, Al. Come on. So that's my mind. I would just ask you guys, give us some thought. What do you what do you think? We talked about things that are working well. What do you think could be working better in this? And my, my take is great product coming out, people putting sprints into their product development and then needlessly not sprinting their 60 second pitch so that it's an interesting example right out of the gate as opposed to, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. And here's what we blah, blah, blah. Um, I just I, I think that could be so much better um, and more inspirational. Uh, maybe I'm too harsh of a critic because I came from that world. But anyway, anybody have any takes on things, Sarah? I would echo that comment. But what I think it's what it's showing is that selling into banks is much more nuanced and much more sophisticated than it was pre-VC winter. Um, you know, when a lot of fintechs were trying to compete with the bank and they're realizing you can't And so now they're shifting their business model to sell into banks. But what what I'm realizing is that it's very hard to sell in banks. You have to know their problems at a granular level. Just like you said, Lisa knew that those in those treasury experiences, when you are actually trying to integrate and keep that commercial client happy by integrating into their ERP system, you better know all of those problems that have to exist, right? And conversely... an API that Fispan can pick up and integrate into the ERP. But if the bank has two or three accounts and that ERP system has broken up the the commercial clients into, you know, accounting into several sub accounts, then it's a recon nightmare. So now, banker, let us help you solve that problem and create sub accounts on a side ledger, right? But it Again, you have to really understand the banker's problem in order to sell. And I think that's why you saw what you saw. Well, and I, you know, again, watching the growth of Numerated has been pretty cool over the years. And I, I remember Dan getting on stage when everyone else was trying to sell their wares. And he's like, hey, look, I've just got some playbooks that work. And I'm just going to, you know, kind of put them up, let you walk yourself through. It's not so much about work with Numerated. It's more we've got to show you how these outcomes are achieved and the tech is one part, but it's culture, it's people, it's the investment of creativity. And so, you know, sitting there listening to some of these presentations, I think there's a missed opportunity for some, especially like you mentioned the AI uh, stuff, not wanting to go down that path. The reason I love presentations like that is you're able to essentially look at what's now and what's next. And I had a conversation with Sarah Hinkfuss, who uh, with Bain's venture group, and she basically says, you can look at the hype, you can look at the hope, and you can look at the happening. And I love that kind of mental model when thinking about some of these emerging concepts, because the hype is really important. Like, we've got to understand what's getting people's attention. And so instead of saying, well, the hype, don't pay attention to it, it's the exact opposite. Why are people getting so interested in some of these potential applications? But then let's segment out the hope so that we're not wasting time on things that are not practical. But what's happening right now, that's almost like the, the key takeaway. Because if I'm in a bank or if I'm at a tech company, I want to know what's actually getting done and who's integrating, who's implementing. And I think that's where, again, your observation, Sam, was a good one. A lot of companies are trying to say, hey, look, we've got a great team. We've got a great story. 
everyone's got a great something. But if you could say, here's some hype, pay attention to it. Here's the hope. We're going to remove it. But what's happening right now that's material to your business is X, Y, and Z. Like that's a pretty strong presentation. Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe talk a little bit about kind of the solving actual problems and really understanding what they are. That, that really resonated with me. Um, and I, I think it can be hard because when hype happens in an industry and everyone's like, oh, I need a platform for X, it's very easy to show up and have a conversation with the bank and be like, oh, we're a platform for X. Um, and honestly, you can waste a bunch of time for both the bank and as a technology company, your team, and not get to a deal because it wasn't really a problem that anybody needs to solve. And uh, I'm just going to pick one little example and maybe like double click on it a couple of times and dig in and be like, this is a problem that doesn't actually need to be solved. It's going to be controversial. I'm going to warn you in advance. So everybody knows they need more deposits, right? That has to happen. Great. So I need a business deposit account opening solution, right? So I can open up business deposit accounts online, right? Okay, great. We had a lot of conversations about business deposit account. We provided it numerated. I was very excited about it. Uh, but here's the problem. How many business deposit accounts does a typical two, $5 billion bank open in a year? I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe a hundred. How many of those would actually open up online? I don't know, maybe 10%, 10, 20. If you put an online application up for any product at the bank, you're going to get at least a thousand fraudulent applications. So a thousand pieces of fraud to get 10 accounts. That is not a problem that is worth solving with technology. But everybody thinks that they should buy a solution. And the answer is, well, you need a strategy to actually drive volume in good applications, of people who want to come and apply for business deposit accounts at your bank. But you do not have those today. And if you're not talking about that problem, technology is worthless. It's just nobody's going to buy it. And so... Uh, there have been a number of like frustrating conversations over the years we've had at Numerator where we're like, we have great technology. And, and, a, does, great team. and a great, a team. great team. But it doesn't matter sometimes it's if the problem is not actually one that should be solved. So, Yeah, and, I'll, and also, um, Sarah, you mentioned um, Money 2020, and I'll give a shout out to Chris Nichols, who had a great write-up on LinkedIn, uh, kind of, I think it was his eight or nine or ten takeaways from Money 2020, and right there in the middle, like number five, it never seems to be number one on most lists, but it's like number five was fraud, and you know how that was a big topic, and to me, it, 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 it seems like it's not even the elephant in the room, it's, it's the reason why there's a holdup on FedNow adoption, there's, it's always the reason, which is we're not, I don't, that guy doesn't like fraud either, apparently, in the and that raging pickup back there. But uh, welcome to Nash Vegas, right? We're here. We are. That's right. And, and I so shout out to Chris Nichols on that. It was a great write-up. And, and I, I also want to say, for the record, if anybody thinks that we're only dealing in high-level buzzwords and niceties here, let it be known that we used the word, and we, I, the royal we, Sarah used the words, uh, recon nightmare. And what was it that, that prefaced that? You said we have a sub accounts and a recon nightmare. I think I, I'm thinking to myself, hashtag sub accounts, hashtag recon nightmare. I'm like, this is the kind of I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love this stuff. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us for a chat today. We had so much fun. Uh, I know I did. But, you know, I'm a banking nerd. I've been in the, this is all I know. I guess you could say I'm institutionalized after this. I started as a floating teller in college, and I just never, I never got out. And uh, I just love it so much. I love hearing about all the specific stories and takeaways. And so from um, almost live from the Jamfin Top Summit 
uh, here, another episode of uh, or unscripted in the hall, kind of, sort of episode of FinTech Hustle. Um, thanks again, and we'll see you hopefully on the next episode. <laughs>